Hello and welcome to episode four of the Talking Cock podcast. Yes, it is going round. Um, I'm on tour now. This is me, Richard Herring. Thank you for listening in. Um, the tour's well underway. I've just been in Newcastle and Chorley on the last two nights. Uh, some both really lovely gigs. Thanks if you came along to those. Uh, also been to Birmingham, Shrewsbury Bridge. And there's no point in telling you where I've been. You can't go there. You can't go back in time and visit them. Uh, but uh, I've had a great time so far. Tonight I'm in Pocklington, uh, which is the town I was born in. It's often called Pock, so I'm hoping if it's been censored uh, on the posters, as it often is, that the people of Pocklington don't think it's going to be me coming to talk about their town, the town of my birth. It's still about cocks, so, though, you know, a cock was responsible for me popping up in Pocklington. So um, it all links back. It all comes back to the penis. Uh, it's this, uh, this is the first time I'm talking to you from actually being on tour, although maybe last time I was in Cheddar wasn't I when I recorded one, so that, that just felt like being at home. But I'm actually in a hotel in Leeds, uh, which is where I'll be performing on Sunday, but uh, I'm using this as a base. Um, it's been pretty rock and roll. I can tell you, I had two pints of lager on uh, on the Wednesday night at Newcastle. It got pretty leery with me and Giles, my reliable tour manager. Um and uh, the weirdest thing that's happened so far on tour is that uh, in the new hotel in Newcastle, I just basically went in there, took off my clothes, went to bed, got up again. And in the morning, one of my socks had gone missing. I searched the whole room. It was nowhere to be seen. Um, so I'm thinking of doing a show next year called Talking Sock about where do socks go, hey, when they go missing? Um, I might get Ben Elton to come in and help me out with that because I, I haven't got any more ideas than that. But I, I don't know what's happened. People in Newcastle are all thieves, as you know. Uh, and so I think someone might have snuck, snuck in and stolen. But why steal one sock? I think it might have been a Newcastleian tiny mammal or primate using it to make a nest somewhere in the bowels of the hotel. But I am worried. I didn't check. I checked everywhere except the safe. And I'm worried that maybe when I was drunk, I kind of thought I'll put one of my socks in the safe to stop anyone stealing them. Because no one would steal one sock, right? That would be insane. Only a one-legged man. And even most one-legged men have a false leg. And so they would still put a sock on the other leg. They don't just, you know, they don't just, don't judge the one-legged men is what I'm saying. They're not all thieves thinking I can steal one sock and, you know, live a life of Riley not ever paying for socks. It's not how they are. Anyway, so <laughs> this week's podcast, thank you for uh, your, your few emails have been dribbling in. Many of you have been filling in the questionnaire, which you can still do at richtone.com. The link's just on the left there. There's one for men, one for women. This is what the whole show is based on. You can listen to these podcasts. You won't spoil your enjoyment of the show. I'm doing stuff that isn't in this show. Some of it's from other shows I've done. Some of it's um, new stuff, especially for you. A lot of it's stuff from the questionnaire that there isn't time to make it into uh, the actual show, which is packed full of stuff. Um, you can also buy the Talking Cock book. Some of this stuff will come from the book, um, which... Uh, has has even more stuff uh, that's from gofasterstripe.com where you can buy most of my things i will fill you in with where i'm coming to in the coming days uh and where it's worth booking ahead for because uh, a few of them are selling out um and they're all selling pretty well it's been very pleased so far so uh do spread the news to your friends if you've enjoyed the show if you've seen it do tell your friends about it if you've seen the show and didn't like it tell your enemies about it and make them come and then ah, they'll look like idiots um, so this week, uh, what I've decided to talk about is um, just general funny stories is what I asked for from uh, you at home. You can email me at herring1967 at gmail.com uh, if you want to get involved in this. You can ask questions, send me poems, though most of the poems I've had have been weak, I have to say. Um, 
some of them don't make the stories too long. Many of them are about penile injuries, uh, which I think I might save for a, an episode dedicated, which I may do next week. So if you've got any funny stories of penile injuries or penile losses, <laughs> uh, things that are funny though, uh, then do get in touch. I've got a, I've got a few nice stories from around the world about people going mad and hacking off their husband's penises or their friend's penises or their own penises sometimes. Um, but I'd be interested in hearing uh, any of your own stories about unusual injuries. Most of these, I'm sure, will involve zip fasteners and torn frenulums, which is the little bit of skin at the top of your penis, fellas, that connects the, the shaft to the head. It's on the underside. You should have a look on the underside sometimes. It's completely different. It's like the dark side of the moon. So, um, But today we're talking about... Um, it's a chance for the ladies to get a bit more involved because uh, I think so far it's been mainly men giving stories. But I'm going to... Uh, Start with some uh, answers to the question of, of women's funny stories from the blog, the funniest things that have happened to you with a penis. These are all from women. Um, and I don't really I discuss this too much in the show, this question, so these are all fresh um, uh, to, for, for you, just for you here at home, but thanks for listening. Um, I, I've had to restart this podcast, so I can't remember if I've just slagged off the I newspaper for slagging me off. Ah, well, um, it's too late now. It's very perfect. They're right to slag me off. Look at me. I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I've been blamed for the demise of radio. I don't know if I've just said that on this one or... Oh, God, it's terrible. Have I just told you a long thing about the I newspaper slagging me off? Or was that in the first go that was interrupted by someone ringing me up? Oh, we'll never know now. Anyway, I've had a bad review of this and I'm blamed for the whole of radio falling apart. Sorry if that's the second time you've heard that. Anyway, a lot of these are the worst. It would, it's amazing to think anyone think this was unprofessional. You know, I just make this up, right? If you come and see the show, it's a proper, well-written show and there's lots of jokes and it's really funny. So do come and see the show. Um, but anyway, uh, many of the women's uh, funniest things that have happened to them with a the penis. Uh, there's a lot involving spunk in the eye. There's a lot of accidental up the wrong ones. Um, quite a lot of stories actually about being flashed um, and a lot of flashes getting laughed at in these stories. I wouldn't have thought that would be a funny story, but a lot of women uh, have found being flashed an amusing experience. And usually, I think, uh, if you then humiliate the flasher by making some piffy comment about his useless junk um uh, so it's, it's interesting that's good that women uh, laugh at that though obviously it's not a hilariously funny thing to happen but i think that is probably the best way to cope with it if that unpleasant thing ever happens to you um but here are some other uh, women's funniest stories accidental ejaculation in my hair half an hour before i had to go to work it was a rinse and put in a bobble and hope no one notices day that's the kind of thing that happens. And there's a little un, little frowny face with a colon and a bracket there. Um, I was once having sex in a field with my husband. Uh, behind my, my fiancé at the time. Behind my parents' house. Which is, explains why they had to do it outside. Because uh, they weren't married at this point. There was an extremely curious and friendly cat that wanted to check it out. Eventually just sat on my back as I was on my hands and knees and watched. It was odd. Well, curiosity turned on the cat. That is the phrase. <laughs> You know, cats like to have a look at, you know, there's some animals who like, look, there's some humans who like looking at animal porn. There are some animals who get turned on by humans. Especially if they can, that's the closest your husband's probably going to get to a threesome. So let him enjoy that. <laughs> he could be stroking the cat. I'm not going to do a pussy joke. He could be stroking the cat, you know, as, as he was working away, depending on why you're on all fours. Anyway, another one. I was having a huge argument with my dad when I was a teenager and he came out of the loo to shout at me. He was wearing just boxer shorts and the tip of his penis was poking out of the open fly. It made me burst into laughter and totally took the wind out of his argument. He disappeared quickly. Hopefully not for good. Hopefully he came back and overcame this. Uh, and that's an accidental flash. I don't think that's uh, 
Uh, well, let's hope he didn't do it on purpose. It's odd if he did. Uh, my bloke had a fluorescent condom on and caught the attention of the cat who clawed his balls. That is a danger of those things. I mean, that's the second cat story in, in four stories. So obviously, uh, do be careful making love if there are cats around. They can get distracted by uh, sudden movements. Uh, I was giving my boyfriend head. Uh, that's a blowjob in England. While he was driving me back one winter on icy roads. Back home one winter. I want back home, that is. Uh, on icy roads. We hit a patch of ice and spun around 360 degrees. No injuries or anything. We were all fine, but it was a bit of a shock. And people think cell phones are distracting to drivers. Since then, I don't give head to anyone involved in driving motor vehicles. Fondling only. That woman has not learnt the lesson there. That she nearly ended up with a mouth full of penis. Um, that could have that story could have turned out a lot worse than it did. I'm sure there are very uh, some instances. I once had uh, was given oral sex in the car, and it just made me drive very cautiously and slowly and bumping along. Uh, it was hard to enjoy, um, but it was a fun thing to do. I then put it in the scene in the comedy drama I wrote. Anyway, uh, when I was 15, I ate Coleman's... This isn't me. This is someone on the website and I want to make clear. When I was 15, I ate Coleman's English mustard off of my 15-year-old boyfriend's erect penis. Well, there's, there's rare occasions when that sentence is all right, but the fact she was 15, I think, makes it all right. But uh, I presume they're from Norwich. That's the kind of thing they do in Norwich. They're obsessed with mustard. Why would you do that? I suppose it's like a hot dog or something, isn't it? So maybe you think that there's some com combination. Is it not spicy enough for you already? Uh, I was about to have sex with a guy and we'd noticed there was a wasp in the room but just ignored it until he got stung on the balls. Uh, especially what, It was hilarious, especially watching him run around, still with an erection, trying to kill this wasp. Um, that does not count as a penis story. That is the testicles. I'm not interested in those. A boy called Craig, I know his second name but I'm not telling, weeing down the slide at nursery school. Oh, come on, you could tell his second name. He's... Uh, it's long enough ago. It was the funniest thing I'd seen. I remember wishing I'd thought of it first. <laughs> you can do it second. Uh, my son, when two days old, managed to pee in his own mouth while I was changing his nappy. And that's quite a common uh, thing for parents. The uh, prodigious shooting power of the, the penis of uh, babies especially, but also young boys. There's some of the water pressure is different or something. I don't know. I can barely hit the urinal door now, but I used to be able to wee over seven foot high walls. Um, which I, without checking who was on the other side, it has to be said. Uh, I caught my brother painting his with red nail polish. I should probably mention he was a toddler at the time. No, don't mention that. That ruins it. Um, uh, condom slipped off the penis during sex. It somehow got lost in me. I couldn't retrieve it, not even with the most embarrassingly help from my boyfriend. That stuff is slippery. Ended up trying to use a kitchen tongue. Wasn't at all funny when it happened. Uh, shame you didn't video that. That would have made a good YouTube clip. Uh, I gave a boyfriend a hand job once and used deep heat, genuinely not knowing what it would do to him. He sat in the cold bath for a long time afterwards. Don't do that. Be careful. Don't put mustard and toothpaste is, you know, uh, something you can... Don't put it on, but, you know, so I think we talked about that the other week. That can give a nice tingling sensation, but don't put chilli and mustard and deep heat on penises. They're not indestructible. They look hard sometimes, but they're not. They're very soft. It's not very exciting, but holding my boyfriend's willy for him while he was having a piss, he had his arm in a sling at the time. Weird, funny and very informative. It isn't just point and shoot, it seems. Well, I don't know what's, what's going on with your boyfriend. It's mainly that. Um, <laughs> uh, I was having a wee in London down an alley. I had a friend guarding one entrance to the alley and I was squatting down the side of a metal box to protect me from the other end. Which suddenly, suddenly a penis appeared three inches from my face. A man had the same idea as me and got himself ready, cock out before he'd noticed I was there. That's his story. Being mid-flow and quite drunk, I just stayed crouching, peeing and pleading for him not to pee on me. Thankfully, he twisted just in time to miss me. 
but there ensued a bizarre bonding read pissing experience as long as that was as if that you know that, that's how the two of you met and are now married that would be quite an embarrassing story to tell um at your wedding uh, yeah we got together when you weed on me and we had a we discovered a mutual interest in golden showers. Uh, I was dating a millionaire, showing off. This is usually it's the men that show off. After splitting up with my long-term relationship, he'd booked a hotel for the night for us, and I wanted to tell him that he was the first person I'd slept with since the split. I said there was something I wanted to tell him, and the conversation went like this. I want to tell you something a bit embarrassing before we go back to the hotel. Oh, God, you used to be a man? Uh, no. Shit, you're still a man? No, what the fuck? I look nothing like a man. I'm five foot three, very petite, and obviously a girl. Although I wish I'd been a man, my dick would have been bigger than his at any rate. Well, that is just rude. There's no need for that kind of behaviour. So those are some stories from lady, funny stories from ladies uh, about about the penis. So I hope you enjoyed those. Uh, I've got a couple of, um, well, I've got a few stories myself. Things that have, some of them have ended up in shows and some of them haven't. So this is just from the top, off the top of my head. Um, uh, one of uh, one of the stories, one of the things I was going to say is when uh, I was 18, I was interrailing around Europe and um, I was meant to go with my friend Jeff Quigley, but uh, he uh, we got he, he missed his ferry or the ferry was delayed and then we missed each other and we were meant to meet in Calais because I'd had to go across first and then we didn't meet and we had this kind of backup plan that we'd meet if we, the next day we'd be down uh, in Lyon or somewhere like that and we said we would meet at the train station. But I'd spent a kind of couple of nights in hotels on my own, was kind of a bit nervous and scared. And I was 18 years old and I looked about 15, I think, looking back at pictures of me. And I was a very naive young man. And so I was walking back from the youth hostel uh, to uh, to the station in the hope I might meet Jeff Quigley. And, uh, and I was just on a roundabout and a car pulled over and a man called me over. And uh, being a, a naive young man, I kind of went over to see what he was going to say, even though he was French and I was English. And I didn't think there was much chance of me talking to him. And... Uh, he then pointed at my cock and then pointed at his mouth, uh, which shocked me a little bit and made me kind of walk away. I think it then called me back and I thought it was a joke and I almost went back again. Um, but, you know, it was the first, it would have been the first blowjob I'd ever received, even as I was 18 at the time, if I'd gone along with it. It was nice that he wanted to put my cock in his mouth, not the other way around. Um, but it was a bit unsettling. I did meet Jeff Quigley at the... Uh, at the train station, luckily, by pure chance at midday. Um... My cock saw very little action that year off, I have to say. So uh, <laughs> uh, that was a good thing. Another thing, this is a story that I wrote about in um, my blog book, Warming Up, Bye Bye Ballon. It was never a blog in itself because it's a bit personal. Um, but uh, this is kind of an odd thing that happened uh, uh, to... Uh, let me just check. Oh, no, no, actually, am I in the right one? I'm just trying to find these. I've got these written down, but um, let me just check. Oh, I'll do this one. Um, yeah, this is not the one I was going to... This is, this is from my show, Menage Un, I believe. Um, uh, so this is a, an old routine, which I'll try and read and inject some life into. I mean, uh, This is from when I was a uh, single man. So this is from some years ago. I was about 38 when this happened. Uh, I met a, a girl a few months ago. We quickly became good friends. You know, sometimes you just meet someone, you feel like you've known them forever. In fact, we became such good friends that within two hours of us meeting, she was back in my hotel room putting my penis in her mouth, which is an incredible level of friendship to reach in just two hours. I've known people for 30 years. I've, not, I've never got anywhere near that level of friendship with them. I thought this is probably going to be the best friend, friend I've ever, I'll ever have. I'll see her every day from now on. Never saw her again. It's weirdly, it's weird how you can be that friendly with someone. Um... But uh, 
you know, I, th I thought we'd connected on some kind of psychic level. Anyway, she was giving me oral sex and there was a bit of an embarrassing silence. So I felt I should fill that silence with some sexy banter. What I decided would be a good thing to say was, that's right, suck my big cock. In the cold light of day in, in front of, you know, in this podcast with all these thousands of people listening, that seems like an embarrassing, almost ghost thing to say. But at the time, it seemed appropriate. Suck my big cock. She actually broke off from what she was doing, looked up at me, my penis still in her hand and said, well average sized cock which i don't think was in the spirit of the original entreaty it's just sexy banter you're not meant to be getting all pedantic about it i'm all for pedantry but there's a time when the pedantry has to stop and the blow jobbings has to carry on and that's the point but for the moment i was stung i said well it's on the large side of average she pulled a face as if to say no it's on the small side of average if anything and i said well what kind of average are you talking about the mean or the median because they can be vastly different figures the i mean the average mean length of the human penis is about 5.6 inches erect though 95 percent of human penises fall between four and seven inches and anyway size isn't important she said, you seem to know an awful lot about it for someone who isn't overly concerned about their penis size. I said, no, I just wrote a show and a book all about penises a few years ago, so I have the statistics to hand. You wrote a book and a show all about penises, but you're not obsessed with your penis size. No. And the thing is, I actually have a fairly decent-sized penis. I'm not showing off. I don't want you to go away thinking, oh, there's Richard Herring, the average-sized penis comedian. All I can imagine is that by, by chance, the sample of penises that woman had encountered had been skewed dramatically to the large side of the graph. I think, coincidentally, that woman had slept with ten blokes of the ten biggest cocks in the world, thought that was normal. Then she slept with me, probably the eleventh biggest cock in the world. But by comparison, my penis would appear below par. But any other woman would be gasping with delight at the bounteous feast she was about to enjoy. I said, well, what did you want me to say? I can't say suck my average size cock, could I? She said, it's better than saying suck my small cock. Well, that wouldn't be true. Again, she pulled that face. I said, yeah, well, it's small now because you've just insulted it. It's very sensitive. It's got embarrassed and gone away. But usually it's a goodly size. In any case, that's not the point. It was just sexy banter. It's not meant to stand up to scientific verification in laboratory conditions. You just say stuff when you're in bed to be sexy. It doesn't have to be 100% accurate. I mean, I said to you, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever been to bed with. I didn't see you stopping proceedings and saying, oh, no, hold on, that can't be true. Well, I am the most beautiful woman you've ever been to bed with. Well, coincidentally, you are, but I would have said it to you anyway. I say that to every, all the women I sleep with, even the, the ones who aren't beautiful. It's only polite. But if you want honesty, then I can be honest back to you if that's what you want. It's a two-way street. I would like that. I'd like you to be honest with me. Well, if I were honest with you, I, 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 if you think you can take it, I would. I'd like it. I'd appreciate it, honestly. All right, I'll be honest. I think the only reason either of us is here is because we're essentially two very lonely individuals with nothing in our lives. And by committing intimate sexual acts with a stranger, we're trying to fill a soul-shaped hole inside us, trying to forget that we're a gigantic ball of rock on a gigantic ball of rock spinning endlessly through space. That everything we do is pointless and meaningless because we're all going to be die and be forgotten, and ultimately the planet itself will be burned into nothingness. Just hoping that by spending the night with a complete stranger to feel their naked skin against our own will give us the illusion that we're not alone. The illusion that we're loved. The illusion that our life has been some kind of has, has some kind of transitory meaning. Do you want to suck my big cock now? And she said, no, not really. As I explained, it's not that big. But also, what you've just said is, is a real mood killer. I said, oh, that's a shame, because if this was a sitcom, I'd have done that long speech and asked you to suck my cock, and then rather than have to consider the import of what I'd said, you'd have just shrugged your shoulder and got back on with it without another word, which would have been a very funny end to this routine. A good end ending it would have got us out of it. Yeah, but this isn't a sitcom, is it? It's a real-life situation. And in real life, if someone says something like that to you, you don't just flate them. It's made me take a good look, hard look at what I'm doing. Maybe sleeping with a stranger is a bit shallow. In any case, what sitcom is this where someone's sucking someone off? Off, I don't know, probably two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. I don't really watch it. Anyway, what do you mean routine? I hope you're not thinking of talking about this 
on stage or on a podcast or anything. This is a private moment between us. I don't want you talking about that on on a podcast, which, you know, especially because this happened before podcasts had really taken off. It's weird that I'm thinking about it. I won't, but if I do promise out of respect for you, if I do, I promise out of respect for you, I won't mention your name. You won't mention my name. No, out of respect for you. You can't remember what I'm called, can you? I can, but I, I can't say or people will know who you are. What letter does it begin with? I can't say in case it's an unusual letter that would give it away. Is it an unusual letter? Well, I'm, I'm not going to say. Anyway, I don't want you misquoting me. And you've made everything in this up after a well-average-sized cock. I didn't say any of this stuff. So I don't want you misrepresenting me, Richard, in this routine. Hold on, if you didn't say any of this stuff, that means you didn't say you didn't want me to misrepresent you, which means I can say anything I like. So I win that argument. So there you go, a largely fictitious uh, story. Poorly, as the AI newspaper would say, poorly uh, read out and put together. Um, and now I'm going to say, oh, there's where that is. That's the what I wanted to read. I, I made it small. Um, and so this is another this is another funny thing that's happened to me regarding uh, my penis. Uh, this is the thing that comes from the book Bye Bye Ballam. That last um, bit was from uh, Menage Un, which is a DVD you can buy exclusively from www.gofasterstripe, as you can buy Bye Bye Ballam, which you can also get at the Kindle store. Uh, there's a couple of uh, the blog books now. They do have extra things in. This is one of the extra things... Um, and this is from the first time I was doing the talking cocktail when I was a bit obsessed uh, doing a lot of stuff about penises. Uh, this may take a little while to read, but, you know, you've got time. Where are you going? Nowhere. The talking cocktail continued back in 2003 to moderate success, but my writing commitments were not faring well. I was still struggling to get my talking cock book into shape and prog progress on my film script. I know who you did last summer was even more sluggish. In fact, more like a slug that was dead and had been nailed to the floor and the floor was made of salt. I think part of the problem was the penis overload and not in an exciting way. The book was clearly all about the spam javelin, but coincidentally, so was the film. It was based on a routine by the brilliant Canadian comedian Glenn Wool, in which he recounted a true tale of genital misfortune. To summarise, one day whilst bathing, Glenn had noticed a strange spot on the end of his little fella. Eventually, he went to his local clinic, where he was treated to the usual prodding and poking and insertion of plastic scrapers into places they shouldn't really have things inserted into them, and then that certainly shouldn't be then scraped. But after all this discomfort and indignity, Glenn was told by the doctor, that he didn't know what this mysterious condition was and then in order to find out he was going to have to perform a biopsy that is the offending abnormality would have to be sliced off of Glenn's acorn and sent away for examination in a lab laboratory as you can imagine Glenn was not too happy about having a scalpel taken to his pride and joy nor when he heard that the resulting wound would require stitches but what could he do the procedure went ahead and Glenn was told to abstain from using his penis for anything other than its urinary function so as not to risk bursting the stitches but predictably after a frustrating week and a half the Randy Canadian decided to take the chance, had a wank, and the inevitable occurred, and he found himself being rushed to hospital with blood gushing, gushing from his private parts. And remember, an erection is all, all to do with blood, so there was a lot of it. He felt that this could form an amusing set piece in a film about promiscuity and its consequences, but I just didn't seem to be able to get anywhere at all with it. I had the first scene written, but beyond that I couldn't apply myself. I was getting to trouble as deadlines whizzed by. In the past I've been pretty reliable, but both my cock book and my diseased cock film were way behind, and nothing was inspiring me. Warming up started with the hope that it might get creative juices flowing, but not helping. Was This one wasn't helping. If anything, as often as not, it was the only thing I wrote all day. I genuinely think I was being driven slightly mad by the cock-based nature of all my work. I'd spent months thinking about cocks, reading about cocks, talking to men about their cocks. I was beginning to wish I'd done a show about really big tits. 
instead. But around this time, things really took a strange and slightly spooky turn. And this was something that, not surprisingly, I chose not to write about in my blog. I did consider it to where it was funny, even if it was intensely embarrassing and personal. Just before Christmas, I was having a bath when I noticed something strange on my own purple policeman's helmet. To begin with, I thought it must be a trick of the light or just some residue from my bubble bath. I'm in touch with my feminine side and enjoy long soaks in those girly lush products but the more I looked the more I was sure like the character in the film I was writing in the same circumstance I was seeing the same thing was this psychosomatic was I going mad the fact that this phenomenon coincided with me being in a serious monogamous relationship for the first time in a couple of years made it even more baffling I tried to ignore it for a while the spots were small I probably wouldn't have noticed them at all if I wasn't obsessed with this subject at that time but after a week or so I decided to go and get it checked out if nothing else it would be good research for the script I didn't realize quite how good research I got to the clinic and after a couple of hours in the waiting room hoping I wouldn't get recognised uh, but then anyone admitting to spotting me they would have to acknowledge that they were two there too so maybe I'd be safe due to my tiny bit of TV fame I'd had relatively recently. I was shown into the doctor who did all his pokey scratchy stuff and then looked at the spots and unbelievably was bamboozled just like the doctor in the film I was failing to write. He didn't, as in the half-written scene I'd come up with, then call in everyone else in the hospital to see if they could identify the mystery illness. But he did say that the only course of action was to perform a biopsy. I mean, what are the chances? This was unbelievably weird. I wrote it. It came true. I was like Richard Burton in the porn version of the Medusa Touch, except that in my current condition, no one was going to want to have sex with me, though my franken-cock would turn anyone who saw it to stone. So, like Medusa, that's quite funny. So just like the fucking film, and with a sense that I was participating in a dream that someone else was dreaming, I went through the exact procedure I was supposed to be writing about. Was this punishment for my laziness? Part of my honourable member for fucking sure was cut off in front of my incredulous eyes, though I had to look away. And I have to tell you, I didn't have enough down there to justify losing some more, despite what I said in the previous routine. Then, feeling distinctly nauseous, I allowed a man to take a needle and thread to my purple-headed wound broom. He told me not to use it for a fortnight night not that I needed to be told that and said the stitches would then drop out of their own accord I told my girlfriend nothing about this partly out of shame partly out of fear that she would wrongly jump to the conclusion I'd been playing away or would be forced to admit that she'd been playing away but now there was no way of hiding the truth unless I literally hid the truth for the next fortnight actually the way things were going that might have been possible she took it well given there was every chance I might have passed this new undiscovered disease onto her it was all very embarrassing and unfortunate but also maybe less inclined to write more of this film for fear that it might all come true. Within a week, the results were in, and thankfully, like the occasional lie detector on the loathsome Jeremy Carr show, I was vindicated, as the condition was a perfectly harmless, non-sexually transmitted skin condition, just as it was in the film, I should have realised, though not exactly the same one, just in case you thought I'd got it off Glenn. It wasn't like that with us. But after a couple of weeks, the stitches hadn't fallen out. And after three weeks, I was getting in a very unhappy place. I've been so long without an orgasm in my post I've, I've never been so long without an orgasm in my post-puberty life. In fact, I'd probably broken my existing record after 36 hours. And after three weeks with the stitches still in, I could hold off no longer. And despite the precedent of the script, I took the chance and made my own amusement. I have to tell you, self-abuse fans, there's nothing quite as amazing as the orgasm that comes after almost a month of abstinence. Though, alas, it was slightly spoiled for me by the fact that I assumed that the exploding geese that I had unleashed was inevitably shooting blood all over the room. Luckily for me, the doctor's sewing held. In fact, as it turned out, he'd used the wrong thread and it was never going to fall out naturally, which meant the additional indignity of having to return to the clinic for another long wait before the doctor cut the thread for me. Thank God he had a steady hand. Not surprisingly, this strange man has completely put me off writing the script and I wrote an email to the person who commissioned it making some attempt to explain my reasons for not continuing. I think I must have scared him because he never replied. But he did ask my manager if I was all right. The implication that he thought I might have cracked up and maybe I had. I later told Glenn why I'd been the script 
and he took it all very well, given this meant the whole thing never happened. He did remark I was doubly screwed by that fact that he'd already done this routine that I couldn't get, I could, so I couldn't even get some stand-up out of it, which is true, though finally this awful story has been told. I'm not sure that's for the best, but it's an interesting background for you. I uh, don't know if it will make you look at what I write in a different way. Sharing is always a good thing. So those are my uh, funny penis-based stories. Um, I'll do a quick poem. This is from the actor Kevin Eldon, whose uh, sketch show starts very soon on BBC Two, if it hasn't started already. Uh, from all accounts, it's going to be fantastic. He's a wonderfully talented uh, comedian uh, and character actor. You'll remember from Fist of Fun and nearly every fantastic TV, comedy TV show of the last 20 years. So it's fantastic he's got his own show. So do go watch that on TV. Uh, and hopefully he'll get even more to do. Anyway, here's his poem. It's called Mr Spock. Mr Spock, do you have a cock? And that is a good poem. If you can write a poem that short, you might get it onto the, onto the podcast. Do email me your poems. Try and make them funny or interesting or moving or good. Uh, herring1967 at gmail.com. Those are the numbers, 1967. Otherwise, it would be ridiculous. Uh, next week, as I said, I want to talk about John Wayne Bobbitt, injuries, accidents. You can send in any questions you've got. So if you've been involved in any penile injuries that are funny or that are just so gruesome uh, that you're happy to have them discuss do uh, email me let me know if you want me to use your real name i won't use your real name unless you give me permission to do so um the tour continues um i'm in yorkshire at the moment uh, i'm in pocklington on the 8th of march i don't think this podcast will come out in time but there's a few tickets left for that york grand opera house on the 9th of march only 800 tickets remaining for that so do get come down i support york city football club come on have some respect for me uh, the 10th of March, Leeds City Varieties, which is pretty much sold out. You might get tickets if you're quick. But then why not come to Harrogate on the 11th of March, which is nearby, and there's still tickets for that, selling quite well. Uh, the 15th of March, I'm at the Cambridge Junction. Uh, again, that one is selling good, so book ahead. 16th of March, New Milton. 17th of March, Winchester. Those are the first gigs I will be driving to in my brand new car that I'm getting this week. I'm very excited about. Uh, and the 22nd of March, we'll be going to Wolverhampton, uh, which is... Again, selling quite well, but it's a tiny little room, so get ahead. And the 23rd of March, Salford, I think it may even be sold out. So if you go to richtownie.com slash talkingcock number two slash tour.php, you can see all of those dates. The London Bloomsbury, 12th and 13th of April. I'll be recording the DVD on the 13th of April if you want to be in the audience for that book quickly. Those are selling quite well too. Um, and um, if you can't get along to see it, you'll be able to buy the DVD hopefully by the summer will be released by go faster strike we can get all of this stuff um i think that's about it you've got some couple of quite long stories there um do come and say hello if you're on tour if you've come to the tour because of this podcast let me know i'm not sure it's making much difference i seem to reliably sell about 480 tickets a week for this show over the whole range of all of the all of the gigs so uh although there are less gigs i suppose each week so it may be slightly going up, but I don't know if it's having much effect uh, on the sales. Uh, it would be good if if I sold more tickets. The more tickets I sell, the more free stuff I can do, uh, and the more likelihood of me touring shows in the future if you're enjoying them. I'm really pleased with this show, and it's been seems to be going down really well with audiences. So uh, take a chance, invite a friend along, and they might be impressed, even if they have no idea who I am. Uh, but you can also ask them to listen to this podcast. Not number two. Don't make them start at number two like the one from The Independent did, who I don't know if I've talked about or not. Uh, start with number one, which is funny. And then number two is a different one. It's a bit more of a serious one. 
this one was I don't know halfway between being funny and serious you got some funny stories didn't you it's gone on for 31 minutes that's long enough um, and uh, yeah I'll be back next week with more but uh, do book ahead for those tickets uh, go to richherring.com click on the picture of the talking cock poster thanks for listening look after your cocks wash them on a daily basis fellas uh, and ladies enjoy the penises in your life if you're into that kind of thing uh, and uh, gentlemen enjoy the penises in your life if you're in that kind of thing as well and enjoy each other our genitals are made to be shared they're like quality street chocolates also I always end up with the green unpleasant tasting ones that no one else wants I think that's the end of the podcast thank you very much Good.